I tell you what, it is so good to be together. There's nothing like coming together, joining with one another to give thanks to God, to praise His name. It's really wonderful when we sense His presence like we've done this morning. Our burdens lift, our cares go, and I tell you, it resets you for life. Just His presence alone, being in His presence invigorates our lives and recharges our our spirits. It's wonderful. It really is to be together. And uh, hey, the day is nearly upon us. Really is. All over the world tomorrow, gifts are going to be opened. There's going to be joy and excitement as people unwrap what they are going to receive But every Christmas, my mind always goes to that moment where God gave His greatest gift, Jesus Christ, into our world. That's what we've been singing about this morning. We've been rejoicing over the fact that God sent His greatest gift, Jesus Christ, into our world. And not just into our world, but into our world all of our hearts as we've opened them, as we have received them. The message of Christmas is not just about giving gifts to one another, as good as that is and as wonderful as that is. The primary message of Christmas, of every Christmas, is to draw us back to that first moment when God sent His Son, Jesus, the Savior of our world, to live in our hearts by faith. It's a wonderful time for us to take time to remember that moment where Christ came into our world. Last Sunday morning, I spoke a message that we called Peace That Prevails. And if you remember, we were looking at Mary and Joseph as they embraced God's plan for their lives to bring Jesus, our Savior, into the world. And at first, we saw that it seemed that God's plan for their lives was derailing their hopes, derailing their dreams of ever being together as husband and wife. But we saw how God, in the midst of all of the relational tensions that this young couple had, brought direction and guidance, and a peace that prevailed. He brought them together. He gave them assurance through His Word that they could be one. So they settled in Nazareth as a young couple, made all of their preparations, got their home ready for the arrival of Jesus, when suddenly life took a change. Suddenly, everything was thrown up in the air for this young couple as they had to leave the place that they'd prepared. And they had to rush back to Bethlehem for Joseph to register in a census. Caesar Augustus, who was known in that Roman Empire as Almighty God, issued an edict for every man to return back to his home and fill out a census that was occurring throughout the world. And they're being pushed now from pillar to post. This young couple don't know what 
is going on because all of their preparations and all of their plans to bring Jesus into a nice warm home in Nazareth have suddenly changed. And they have to take a journey some hundred miles or so from Nazareth to Bethlehem for Joseph to register. And when you're heavily pregnant, ladies who have been heavily pregnant will know that's a risky journey to take, especially on the back of a donkey, which Mary would have been traveling on. The hard realities of life, the unexpected changes that you're unprepared for. When we look at their lives, that's the message that comes through. Life isn't predictable, is it? It's full of many changes, full of many twists and turns, full of ups and downs. Seems so unpredictable at times. And we can be left wondering, scratching our head, what's going on? But we find hope when we look at the Bible because we find a young couple in Mary and Joseph that face the realities of life just like we do. They face the same questions and the same unpredictable circumstances that we often find ourselves in. And when I read back and look over those first moments of that young couple following God's plan and trusting in His Word implicitly, I find hope for my life. I really do. You know, God's plan for your life is always good, but it's not always comfortable. God's plan for your life is wonderful, but it's not always played out conveniently in a way in which you or I would expect. Sometimes there's twists and turns, ups and downs in life that we just haven't foreseen. But what we see in this young couple amidst huge circumstantial changes that came about in their lives, we see them trusting God not pointing their finger at him angrily. What's going on? You said I'd be highly favored. What's this? No, just quietly, patiently trusting God when they couldn't trace him in their everyday life and circumstances. This young couple embraced the plan of God for their lives amidst sudden unexpected changes that were outside of their control. They just followed. They just went with it. And as we look at their example of faith, as we, as we look at how they trusted God implicitly, it is a message to all of us today. It really is. A message that you can depend on God. A message that you can trust Him. A, a message that His Word will never fail. His promises are true and unchanging for your life. He'll bring you through. Irrespective of the circumstances that may be happening in your life today. Irrespective of the fact that you may look back on 2023 and not see a perfect year as you thought it might be. Irrespective of all that. Let your trust be in God this day. Let it revive again. Let, let, let the fire of your heart be rekindled today as you look at the 
the implicit trust and faith that this young couple had, God didn't fail them and He's not going to fail you. He isn't. He really isn't. He's not going to fail every one of us. Why? Because we've sung it this morning. He loves us. He loves us. And He will never, ever leave, leave us. Luke in his gospel tells us of Mary and Joseph's move to Bethlehem and also the moment of when Jesus was born. And what he describes in his writing is not the kind of picture we'd expect to see. Luke's description of the night of when Jesus was born is very simple and very frank. It's not like some of the Christmas cards that we see every year that we send to one another that are so finely airbrushed that depict a scene that's serene and peaceful and beautiful. Luke doesn't describe the night when Jesus was born like that. He's quite frank and very simple about what happened. The facts that he describes tell us that our world had no room for the birth of Jesus, the Son of God. Listen to Luke chapter 2, verse 7. He says this, And she brought forth, that's Mary, and she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I've often read that verse and thought how they must have frantically tried to find a place just to stay for the night, trying to find an inn, knocking on every door just to find a warm enclosure that would be safe and private for Mary to give birth. But there was no room. Luke tells us there was no room. Everywhere was full. All the doors that they knocked on, all of the innkeepers that they pleaded with, rejected them. Nobody was ready to receive God's wonderful gift to our world, Christ Jesus. The only available place was the backyard, an animal shed that was uninhibited. So Mary, in absolute trust, lay down in a dark cattle stall that was unclean and gave birth to the Son of God, Jesus. And there, right there, in that cold, exposed place of life, they laid him in a manger, an animal feeding trough. It's a shocking picture. It's a shocking picture that our nice Christmas cards don't depict. A shocking picture to think about. But this is a picture of what faith and trust in God is really about. There's a message in these facts that come to us today to encourage our hearts. Life is hard. Life is tough. Circumstances come that we don't understand, just like they did for this young couple. 
And yet implicitly, Mary lays her head down in that cold stable, that cold cattle shed that was filled with live animals and all kinds of smells. She didn't belong there giving birth to the Son of God. And yet, implicitly, she trusts God when she can't necessarily trace Him in the circumstances that she's in. Her and Joseph struggle alone. There's no midwives. There's no outside help. He just struggles with his wife in labor to bring Christ into the earth. And I think it's wonderful that the Bible shows us the hard realities of the sufferings of this couple as they just followed God and placed their faith in Him. For me, it's a picture of faith. It's a picture of trust. It's a picture of life overcoming death, of light overcoming darkness, of peace reigning and prevailing over life's many anxieties. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to know that even when your circumstances don't add up, you're still bang center in the will of God, experiencing His peace, experiencing His care, and knowing that all is well with your soul. I believe that this is a picture to encourage us of those facts, of our walk of faith. In spite of all the circumstances, this young, humble couple didn't complain. It amazes me. You, you read about their lives. You follow them through. Over that first moment where Christ came into our world, and you see all of the complexities of life that they were being buffeted by. And what amazes me is that there is no word of complaint. There's no move of impatience. They don't become bitter. They're surrounded by all kinds of questions and needs. And yet, in spite of it all, they just humbly believe God. They believe that He's in control. That He's over what they can't control, and they follow Him. And by trusting God, Mary, in that cold stable, in that place where she did not belong, right there in the midst of that darkness, brought fulfillment to Isaiah's prophecy where he said, some 700 years before, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, and we've sung about it this morning, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Jesus was born not in a palace. Jesus was born not even in the confines and the warm enclosure of an inn. Jesus was born in a stable that was cold, that was down some back alley, 
that was, that was dark. But he was wonderful and is wonderful. The counselor, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the everlasting father. That's who was born on this night and who came into our world. I don't believe it was a mishap of circumstances that God's son, Jesus, was born in that cattle shed. Because just like that open cattle shed was dark and in disarray, it's a picture, it's a mirror of what the human heart is like. That cold cattle shed, that place that was uninhibited, is a perfect picture and description of what our hearts are like when they're empty and without God in them. The setting of Jesus being born in darkness. The setting of Jesus being born in that stable really is a perfect fitting picture of the human heart. And how, and this is the wonderful news, and how He is willing to come and live in each and every one of our hearts. That's the wonderful message of Christmas. It's not just about the t tinsel and the trimmings on the tree. The wonderful message of Christmas isn't just about giving and receiving gifts as we will do tomorrow morning. It's great. We're going we're gonna to enjoy it. But the real message of Christmas is about God sending His Son, the greatest gift for Him to live in our hearts by faith. I know that many of us here this morning have already asked Christ to come into our hearts. I know many of us here this morning, as we've sung and as we've given thanks and praise to God, we've done it because we know that Jesus lives in us. And we live in Him. But there may be some of us here this morning. And you've never asked Christ into your heart. You, you, you may not have known that you could. You may have thought, well, if it were possible for Jesus to live in my heart, would He really want to come in? Would He really want to be a part of my life, knowing who I am and knowing who I, am be, uh, who, who I have been? Let me tell you, yes, He does want to be in your heart. He knows everything about you and He loves you. And He's made all necessary provisions for you to receive His care and His love. That's God's gift to us, each and every one of us, this Christmas. Right at this moment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish in just a few moments. And we're going to sing some carols just before we leave today. But just in this moment, Jesus, even today, this is the amazing thing. Jesus, even today, respectfully, respectfully stands at the door of your heart. Respectfully stands waiting for you to open that door of your heart. He's not going to knock that door down. 
waits. He calls in oh so many ways for us to open that door of our heart and invite Him in. You know, when we look at the cold hard facts of Christmas, at that first Christmas when Mary and Joseph were rejected, where there was no room to receive them in the inn, we might say, well, how, how can that be? How could people be so cold-hearted? How is it that nobody would just even give them a moment to lay down and rest for Mary to bring Christ into our world? We may wonder why that happened. But the question remains today for, for all of us. Will we receive Him? When He knocks on the door of our heart, will we open our lives to Him? He doesn't want to come in and control us. He doesn't want to, to come in and make demands. He doesn't even want you to make any promises. He just wants to come in and fellowship with you and be that wonderful counselor, that prince of peace. That bright morning star, that everlasting one. He wants you to know the joy and the meaning of life He's come to give. He really does. Listen to these words. This is Jesus speaking. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. He says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. The question, you see, still remains the same today as it was on that first Christmas. Will we receive him? Or will we reject Him? My prayer today is if you've never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never opened the door of your heart and asked Him to come in to your life, my prayer as I pray this morning, my prayer is that you would pray with me and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. That you would not receive religion, that you would receive the greatest gift that God could give you, a relationship, not a religion, a living relationship with Christ Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You say, well, Dave, I know he's knocking on the door of my heart. I've known for some months. I've known for some years. Today is the day I want to open that door. Well, let me, let me pray with you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. God's not going to embarrass you. For the first time, you're going to receive peace in your heart. You're going to make Him Lord of your life by simply, the picture is simple, it's not complicated, by simply just opening your life and saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Please come into my heart. Live in me that I might have new life. Amen. Now that's not hard, is it?
that isn't hard. It's the easiest thing in the world. And the Bible says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will, you will experience and receive the greatest miracle that you can ever receive of Christ living in your heart. I'm going to pray right now just before we sing again and we leave this place. I'm going to pray right now for anyone here that might be here. You don't know Jesus. Or you might know about Him. You might have heard His name. You might have thought, well, He's just a historical figure back there in time. No, He's a real person. He is. And as you place your trust in Him this morning, in the most childlike way, and you ask Him to come into your heart, a miracle, a miracle will occur. It really will. Not because I'm saying it, but because Jesus loves you so much. And when you, when you invite Him in, He's not going to turn around and say, I'm not going in there. I, no way. There's too much history there. No, He was born in a stable. And He's ready to live in your heart because He loves you. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. And if you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, you might not understand it with your head, but in your heart, you know, you know this is right. You know this is right. You're not going to become religious. You're going to, for the first time, have a living relationship with God. You're not going to see any angels or a flash of lightning or anything mystical. Or No, you're going to walk hand in hand for the first time with a living God. And all is going to be well inside. Pray this prayer with me right now. Just quietly in your heart, say this, Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. Please forgive me of my sin. I don't want to live life anymore without you. So I open my heart to you now. And I ask you to live inside me. Thank you for your forgiveness, for all the wrong things I've done. Thank you for washing me clean on the inside, for giving me peace. You are the end of my search. And today, I place my trust in you. I believe in you. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, asking Jesus into your heart, it's a wonderful moment. It's a wonderful day. A miracle has taken place. You can go from this place today knowing, not that you have religion,
But now you have a relationship with the living God. And just like I'm talking to you and you talk to others, you can talk to Him. And you'll see that this relationship will grow and you'll be filled with all of the joy and the life that only He can provide. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for us as God's family, as God's people as well. Holy Spirit, I thank you for each and every one under the sound of my voice this morning. Thank you for your people. Oh, Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you that you are Lord of our lives. You are our Savior. You are our Redeemer. And you are our Prince of Peace. And we praise you. We thank you, Lord. And as we stand now and sing and raise our voices to you, Lord, we do it in affection, adoration, and worship of your greatness to us. Why don't we... Thank you.